Salutations and welcome to a very special episode of the Native Immigrants Podcast. I'm your host, Swami Barakas, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Jojo underscore B. What's going on, Jojo B? Hello. So this is a special week and a special month, Jojo B. It is. And it's all rainbow colored. It is all rainbow colored. Yay. Uh, First of all, I will add that this week... You're celebrating something very special too. Oh yes, I forgot about that. <laughs> yes, well, I, there's no such a well, non-entity now. This thing, so yeah, you're getting else? older, and so there's not much really to celebrate there. A few extra bags under the eyes. Oh my god, a few god, more strands bags. of white hair. A few wrinkles. A few less people swiping right on Tinder for you now. On Tinder. Your I literally have account. no idea how Tinder would even work. I'm that far removed so from the was, whole dating thing because I don't need to. You are a married lady. Yes. What, so what did you do back in the day in terms of like, you know, looking for the Mr. Right? Young man. Yeah. Uh, so a lot of like Rishte, like setups through the family. Yeah. But did you do anything like, you know, what was equivalent to Tinder like 15, 20 years ago? I didn't ago? do any of that stuff. Um, I did meet someone on Facebook. Big up. Facebook yes. Marketplace. No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need to buy services, thanks very much. Um, and and then it was just like meeting people in person. Like I, I think people used to just go to a bar or go to a club. And oh my god! Meet up with someone. Do you remember people hook used to do up that? with someone? Whatever you want to call it, like that used to be a thing. Damn, that's how old I am. That's how and that's how long are. ago I was having to meet people. Jeez. That is that is an awful long time ago. That you was saved me. You saved me from the whole era of online dating. That I probably would have. I think I probably would have just been on the cusp of doing that if we hadn't have got together. Yeah. So thanks. Did you used to take like a horse and carriage home instead of getting Uber back then? A horse and carriage. No, I used to get a bloody night bus home. That's what I used oh, to do. <laughs> Remember those things? Night the buses. night bus. Yes. And the drama that used to unfold. There'd be someone in the corner eating the McDonald's, usually me, yeah. uh, before I went gluten-free. And then there'd be like the weirdo who you'd be a little bit scared of because there's always someone a little bit rapey on the night bus home. Right. And then there'd be like a couple arguing in the corner. And then like, you know, someone would start on someone. I remember on the tube, I don't think this is the night tube. I think this is literally just on the way home from work one day. Like in, like, six in the middle of the night. The, yeah, six o'clock in the evening or whatever. A fight kicked off. Did I ever tell this story before? I might have done. Um, a fight kicked off and I got kicked in the face. What? <laughs> it was like Did my first actually... week of using the Northern Line and living on the Northern Line. And um, I was on my way home and a fight kicked off. And yeah, I got kicked in the face. I love it. So this is exactly what, you know, your parents are like, if when you go to London, there's going to be danger, there's going to be violence, there's going right. to be terror. In my first few months, I moved to London in... October 2004, mm. right? Either December 2004, January 2005, I fell over and broke my arm. <laughs> just, just for being you. Just and then July 2005, 
seven seven happened. I think something else happened in between as well, and probably the kicking in the face happened in between. And then also in the first couple of months of living, I, I lived in Wilsdon Green when I first moved to London. It's not the nicest of areas if you don't know Wilsdon Green. And uh, there was three girls and a guy in my in my flat. Right. And the girls all used to walk like a kind of back route home because the main like high street down from the tube station. There used to be um, pimps out at that time when we'd come home from Big work. up. That's all the pimps in. Yeah, uh, I think it's cleaned there. up a lot now. But at the Damn. time there was drug dealers and pimps out. And so we were a bit intimidated walking down the high street. So we used to go around the back streets instead because we thought that was safer. Went away for Christmas, came back. There was a massive police board saying that there'd been a rape in that area. In that in that bit, it's not, not funny. funny. No, it's not funny. It's not funny man. No, there'd been like a serious sexual assault, and we were like, "Where the hell have we moved to?" It was me from Newcastle, um, my flatmate who was, had moved from Edinburgh, and another flatmate who just moved from Warrington, and the three of us, all new to London, were like, "What the fuck is this place?" The bright lights in the big city. So yes, there was a lot of drama in my first few months of living in London. Well, there you go. Well, I I like to think that the drama pretty much you know, subsided since then. But no, you've actually inflicted all that bad karma on me instead Yay. in our years of married life. Uh, and you do turn the big three. Can I can I share your birthday or we can? Yeah, I don't give a shit. All right. The big three six. It's the big three six. Yeah. First birthday as a mum as well. Quite a big look. I look like a mum now. Yes. Just like a wife. But... Fuck <laughs> off. But you, you're in good company when it comes to celebration, because this episode of the Native Immigrants Podcast is a Pride special celebrating the month of Pride. All the rainbow colours. Yes. We did a show last year, uh, episode 14 of season one, that spoke about Asian attitudes towards the LGBTQ plus community. And a year on we decided to do almost a follow-up in celebration of Pride. Yeah, and it's very special Pride this year. Yes. It's so, first of all, there will be a lot of people, people listening within our community and people outside of our community listening to the show that may not know enough about Pride. Okay. So, let's tell the people exactly what Pride's all about. A brief history lesson. Yes, indeed. So, Pride commemorates the Stonewall Riots. Mm-hmm. And if you don't know what the Stonewall Riots are, I will tell you now. 50 years ago, so on June 28th, 1969. Yes. Cast your, cast your minds back. Yeah. Some of you might be old enough to remember this. Um, police raided the Stonewall Inn in Greenwich Village, New York City. At that time, homosexuality was still illegal. Uh, but the people in the bar were just completely fed up at being targeted and harassed by the police all the mm. time um so they decided <laughs> Our communities to... know exactly what that's all about exactly um so they made a stand and then this then turned into a riot because they were so frustrated that they wanted to send out a clear message to say that we don't want to be harassed anymore our community doesn't deserve this yeah so pride was then set up the following year to commemorate that and it has run ever since so awesome. this year is pride 50 which celebrates 50 years of the Stonewall Riots. 50th anniversary. Amazing. Amazing. Um, so obviously there's Pride celebrations happening all around the world. Um, we could sit here and detail all the specific ones, but really this is a UK show. Yep. So let's focus on what's happening in the UK. And I guess the two main big celebrations of Pride are London and Brighton. Yeah. And uh, Pride in London is on the 6th of July, mm -hmm. happening in a few weeks' time. 
And Brighton Pride is on the 2nd to the 4th of August. Yeah. So they're incredibly lucky because they get to celebrate two massively monumental celebrations. Pride and my birthday on oh my the same God. We weekend. We should go for your birthday. That would be pretty insane. <gasps> It'd be so much fun. It would be pretty awesome. Yeah, but would they would they be happy to share the spotlight with such an amazingly massive day like my my big my big birthday? The big four one. The big four one, yeah. <laughs> I think they could just about manage it. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see if they're happy enough to to muster in on my parade. <laughs> but yeah, if you're in, in the areas, or if you're not, travel down to London, sixth of July, and Brighton on the second to fourth of August. There is actually another pride that you've missed out there. Okay. On the seventh of July. Yes, indeed. In of London, course, of course is UK Black Pride. Yes, and I think this is something like we need to focus on, uh, especially amongst our communities. Mm-hmm. It's Europe's largest celebration for African, Asian, Middle Eastern, Latin American and Caribbean heritage LGBTQ people. That is a mouthful and a half. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well done, Jojibu. You didn't buckle under the pressure. It is to celebrate all people of colour who belong to the LGBTQ plus community. Yes, and that's on the 7th of July, Sunday the 7th of July. And this year, apparently, they're, they're moving to a larger location, uh, which is going to be at Haggerston Park in East London. And MNEK is headlining. Big up, so MNEK. some good music. Yeah, good music, good vibes. Go down and support, you know. Um, but, you know, I, I was thinking about this. UK Black Pride is an amazing festival and mm-hmm. encompasses a lot of different ethnic minorities, which is great because we get a chance for all those collective communities to come together for a massively amazing event. Yes. But wouldn't it be great and I don't even know if there is one, but where's like the South Asian Pride Festival? Like Some, the Miller, like, like Pride yeah, Miller. Like a Pride Miller. That you would know? be awesome. That's the thing, you know, because now we've got so many different communities in the UK and our culture is, is so unique. To celebrate both Pride and the advancements of South Asians within the LGBTQ plus community, mm-hmm. I think it would be um, amazing to see an Asian Pride Festival. You know, I love the fact that UK Black Pride is so inclusive of all our ethnic minorities and that's fantastic to see. But it would be nice to just have something that's ours and we could have artists and performers from the LGBTQ plus community that don't necessarily get a chance or a platform to showcase their material at normal festivals or melas within the Asian communities. And this would give a chance for everyone to, to flourish on, on an, an amazing event with, you know, music, merriment and mayhem. Absolutely. I think it'd be great, especially because we have such a long heritage and long history of LGBT um, communities going back centuries on the subcontinent. Yes. So I think it'd be great to celebrate that and educate people about that, as well as kind of celebrating the South Asian community in the UK. Yeah, because that's the one good thing about when we went to like the London Miller last year, there was a lot of, uh, you know, food, festival, fun, music and everything. But there was a lot of tents also talking about things happening within the community. So people learned about things like Bhangra from like the 70s, 80s, 90s yeah. and Southall community and uh, things happening across, across London. And I think something like an Asian version of Pride, a ce- celebration of Pride, would be great to give an informative perspective on Asians within the LGBTQ plus community um, here in the UK. Yeah. Um, but also, you know, like I said, have have some fun. Let's have some prataki, have some pangara, isn't it? 
I mean, I think we've just given someone a really good idea here. Yeah, so, God's sake. Should we, like, you know, if is, someone does it, they better have us there. It, no, it should be the Native Immigrants Podcast sponsored Asian Pride <laughs> event. So we have our logo across <laughs> like the top of it. Sponsor them with our 50 pence that we've got in our pocket. Well, no, they pay us because we've just given them an amazing idea. <laughs> like this is classic material that we're giving out for free right now. So if there is one next year, I'm gonna, I'm, you know, I want to ask to take a little cut from that, bruv. You know what I mean? We've, um, we've just pulled out, pulled, pulled one. We've literally pulled one out of the hat right now. Yeah. Yay us. <laughs> Yay us. But in actual fact, there is a festival happening uh, in July here in London. Okay. And it's actually called Queer Asia. And Queer Asia is almost like a, a network of artists, activists, and performers from Asia and the Asian diaspora. Mm -hmm. And there's going to be a number of events across London. You can check out more information for it on queerasia.com and exactly what's going to be happening and taking place. Um, but a couple of events which is quite interesting. There's going to be an art exhibition that's going to be championing Asian um, LGBTQ plus artists. Okay. And that's going to be happening at the University of London in July. And there's also the Queer Asia Film Festival, which will be held at the British Museum. Oh, uh, Things are just falling down in our flat. Sorry, exactly, yeah. <laughs> you'll have to excuse that. I think that was Bob's playmat. Oops, never mind. Anyways, so yeah, make sure you go down and support that festival. Um, and shout out to Kuk and Koreshi who uh, who tweeted about it earlier uh, this week. That's how I found out about it. Okay. And he's going to be on the second half of this show. Yes, he is. Yes, very, very kind enough to speak to us about quite a big issue happening currently in Birmingham with some of the school protests outside primary schools regarding lessons of LGBTQ+. And we've also got Petter Cooper, who will be talking about it as well. Yeah. But before all of that, mm. exciting stuff that we've got coming up. Yes. We've got some more excitement. Yes, indeed. Well, since our last show, episode 14 from last year, talking about Asian attitudes towards the LGBTQ plus community, what's been happening with our communities? Well... A whole slew. I love that word, slew. A slew. A slew. A plethora. A plethora of uh, well-known Asians mm. have been coming out. Look at this. Do you think, do you think it's, it's because of our show last year? I think we made people feel really uncomfortable. Yeah. And just, you know, like wanted to share and be open about their lives. You're welcome, people who've come out this year. Yes. So the people that we've helped have <laughs> yeah. been Dr. Ranch. Big he, up, Dr. Ranch. I think he might have already been out, but he kind of spoke more openly about being out. Right, yeah. And like his his life before he came out and stuff, after he'd done Strictly and he became I think a lot of people beginner. did have an inkling, to be fair. Yeah, potentially, but he just was much more open about it. Yeah, big up, Dr. Ranch. So I don't Good think we can you. claim that one. Well, yeah. Uh, the singer, I'm obsessed with a singer called Ravina. Yes. And I, there's lots of people out there who do know her music. And if you don't know her music, you should know it because she's got a beautiful voice. Mm. She came out as being bisexual. Big up. Well, actually, we played her on our special show with Tom Robinson and BBC Six yes, Music we did. of March of last year. And she's come out as bisexual since then. So I'd like to think that we had a helping hand in her finally being brave enough to come out. Yes. I'm, I'm going to claim that Seriously, one. Seriously, we are on a roll today. Uh, the editor of Burnt Roti magazine, Sharon Daliol, came out. Awesome, awesome. Yes, she's also bise bisexual. Big up Burnt Roti mag, amazing. And lastly, and I think this is probably the biggest news of everybody, 
Lily Singh, aka Superwoman. Superwoman indeed. Came out as being bisexual too. Yeah, that kind of came as a little bit of a surprise. But then, you know... It... But why should it be? Why would we know what she's up to? No, that's true. Exactly. What she Each, does. Yeah, absolutely. You know. But, uh, you know, but... again, we made her feel more comfortable. Yes. About coming out to us. Do you know what? Shout to you, Lily Singh. Thank you for listening in on our show on a week-to-week basis. And we're glad we could have helped you through yeah. this process. But on a serious note, <laughs> we can't claim any of this. Um, on a serious note, the fact that these people are now coming out these people who are, you know, names that we look up to. Yeah. You know, um, we, and, like, and we follow ro- their careers. And, and they're role models within our communities yeah. as well. And the fact that they're coming out now just means that it just shows how far we've come. And I know that, you know, there's lots of stuff in the news about how bigoted the world is and how we kind of roll in 20 steps back and all that kind of stuff. But actually, to see brown people coming out and feeling comfortable to do that and not being you know completely torn down by the community yeah is it's absolutely fucking amazing and it just makes me feel really happy and to think that you know if one day bubs comes to us and says mom dad i'm gay or whichever part of the lgbtq community he might feel like he might yep. be possibly potentially if he comes to us and says that he'll not have any issues with us absolutely but not. i want to know that the world outside of our four walls yes. will be safe for him yeah and i feel like at the moment that's slowly getting there yes yeah, slowly i think being the operative word i think it's it's great that we're having advancements like this you know on a on a year by year basis the longer it goes on the easier it will be but there's still a long way to go uh, a lot of this stuff that we were talking about in the second half of the show shows that in actual fact a lot of our communities are still against a lot of what we've been talking about so far in the, this half of the show and we need not only education we need discussion uh we need engagement from people to to open up minds and and change mentalities and change people's thought processes because it's great that we're seeing this and i think it's always a step in the right direction but there is still a, a long, long way to go until the level of intolerance towards that community is completely subsided. Also, I think if you hark back to our previous episode about LGBTQ+. Episode 14 from last year. Make sure you listen to it. <laughs> yes, that one. That one. We mentioned um, that there was racism within the LGBTQ plus community yes. towards South Asians and of all people well, specifically, Pala. like, South Asian LGBTQ plus members themselves. Yes. So, I mean, and that reflects wider society. There's racism towards us all over the place. Yeah. It, it just happens that it's there as well. But in what I think is quite a heartening move, Attitude magazine are um, celebrating the 50 years of Stonewall mm-hmm. and also celebrating their 25th anniversary. Awesome. So they have got 50 people on 25 different covers, see what they've done there. Big up, yep. clever. To kind of celebrate all of this in one go. Yeah. And they have included on their front covers, Dr. Ranch. Big up, he made it. Yeah, and Sharon Daliwal. Awesome, well so that's we, a great look. We are there, our Asian faces are there on the front of one of the most mainstream Prominent gay magazines. magazines. Yeah. yeah, and it's amazing. And I'm... 
I just I saw that and I just felt really happy and really proud that this is happening. And you that have a lot of pride. I did have a lot of pride. <laughs> do, 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 do. I see what you did there. That was pretty cool. Was pretty Amazing. Cool, but, okay. It wasn't. Um, so yeah. Fantastic. It's well, you know, it's, it's great. Like people like Dr. Ranj, uh, Lily Singh, Sharon Daliwal. It adds to the great list of famous uh, South Asian LGBTQ plus members already in the UK. People like Leo Kayan, who we mentioned last year's on last yeah. year's show, uh, Paul Sinner as well, the comedian. Yeah. And Tan France. Yay! Now this segues quite nicely <laughs> into the next part of this show. Jojo V. I love Tan France. I don't think it's a secret. I love all of the queer eye guys. I love them all mm. um, because I'm obsessed with queer eye. But I that got she the, is. yes, and I got the chance to go and see Tan France. Yes, you did. It rhymes. Um, talking on stage, mm -hmm. he's doing a tour to promote his new book, which is called "Wait for It Naturally Tan." Oh my days! <laughs> did not see that one coming. <laughs> Um, and so he's done a book tour and he's done, I think, three different dates. And I got to go to the London one. Apt. Which was at Hackney Empire. Oh, that was on Monday the 24th. It was completely sold out. I just about got tickets. Yeah. Well, you did it on it for absolutely I forever. I, when I first looked, there was like loads of stall seats. And when I went to actually book, I had to go and sit up in the gods. Well, it's your own fault, isn't it? What can you do? What can you do? Um, but it was really interesting to see him there at speaking, not only because I'm a massive fangirl, but also because he's, like we've been talking about, just a really good face for South Asian being out there. And as he said, if you've seen any of the bits of TV that he's done, because he's done loads of TV in the past week or two, that he said that he's the only person, the only South Asian man who has this platform mm, the only pakistani man who has this platform on such a global scale because the the show is huge across the world and yeah, netflix just, pushed it all across the world and all the territories that they're in yeah just briefly for people who don't know tan france uh he's a british pakistani why don't you know him why why would you not know <laughs> may, him if you don't know him people. go and find out well there will be a lot i i didn't have a clue who this man was until you started watching the show and obviously, it's a massive. I don't massive think many show. people knew him before the show. But okay, there's, but there's a lot of people that may not have Netflix, that may not necessarily watch Queer Eye. Well, so they're you know silly people. Well, you know they could be watching like Breaking Bad and like shit like that. That's the kind of stuff I watch. You know what I mean? I still need to make you watch Queer Eye. I'm, I'm more than happy to watch it, but I've got like half an hour in the day, which I get a chance to watch some any kind of television. And so, you know, want to watch some wrestling. What are you trying to say? That I sit there watching TV. Okay, we don't need a domestic right now. This is exactly fine. fine. I, but I don't sit and watch TV all day. Thank you very much. Anyway, Tan anyway. France. Yes. France? France. Well, I say France, France because I'm from up north. Okay. And Tan he says France. France because he's from up north. Okay, so Tan France is uh, a British and Pakistani and a member of the LGBTQ plus community. Yes. And he is killing it right now in the States because he's part Everywhere. of queer... All over the world. All over the world because yeah. he's part of Queer Eye where it's a show where basically they they just style and dress up. Um, no, don't just do it a disservice. And he, he talked about this on stage as well. There is not just a superficial thing where they go in oh and they never speak days. to these people ever again and all this stuff. If you remember, in kind of the late 90s, early 2000s, there was a show called Queer Eye for the Straight Guy. Yes. So there was a bunch of five gay guys who would come in and they would... Um, <laughs> 
Look at you trying to eat chocolate from I'm my box of milk tray. Milk tray. I've just got my eyes on this face. How dare you? This is my birthday box that I bought for myself. Carry on talking. I'm some chocolate. Um. So. In the original show, there'd be five gay guys and they would find a straight guy who was kind of lacking in all areas of his life and try and come in and each guy would have like a specialism. So mm. one would be like fashion or there'd be like grooming and food and wine and all that kind of stuff. So what they've done for the new reboot that Netflix are doing, they've done something similar. It's called Queer Eye. It's not just for straight guys. It's it's queer eye just for everybody, and they have again these. What's five the show called again? Queer eye, and they have five gay guys. Queer eye, you say? Yes, who um, come into your life and help you like rejig. So Tan specializes in the fashion side of things. He had a fashion background. He used to work in retail, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, there is a guy called Anthony who does food and wine. There's Bobby who does like right. interior design. I'm sure the rest of the guys are amazing, but let's focus on Tan. All right, fine, but you have to watch it. So it's about basically kind of giving you like this holistic makeover where everything improves so that you have the confidence to just move on in your life when you're stuck in a rut and not going anywhere, mm. basically. And they, this, it's really weird because he was talking and like they keep in touch with a lot of them, the ones that they get on best with. Nice. And, you know, and they have like relationships that go on beyond the show. They don't just come in for a week and then never see these people again. Yep. I think potentially there might be some that they never saw again because there was a couple of people that he spoke about that were really, um, him being a Pakistani guy uh, and them going okay. to, you know, so like... An Arab <laughs> came and dressed me today. Basically, and then, you know, they're kind of going to... I hate using this term, but like redneck country. So they go to mm. the first two series were were based in Georgia. Right. And the next two have been in uh, Missouri. So you can imagine the kind of people that they kind of see. Yeah. So you see this Pakistani guy, he's quite flamboyant, come in and tell you you're going to change clothes. If, yeah, if you're not yeah. used to it, or if you're one of those, you know, make America great again types, yeah. it might freak you out a little bit. But then I've done massive credit to Tan France because he's managed to go into the States where at the moment, like I said, it's heightened tensions racially as much there as it is down here. Yeah. And he's managed to make a, a massive name for himself, not only being British, being Pakistani, but also being gay and breaking down, you know, the, the stereotypes and, and challenging them face on, basically. Well, he spoke about how he grew up in South Yorkshire. And when he was growing up, it's very, very white town that he came from. I think he came from Doncaster, but I'm not sure. Um, and he faced a lot of racism there. Mm. And so he was like, you know, constantly worried about getting his head kicked in. And he said from a very young age, he was quite effeminate, this, his words. And it was really obvious to his family which way he would go in life. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so, But he said, he goes, I didn't ever get beaten up because I was gay. I got beaten up because I was brown mm. and so he then decided that he wanted to move to america to make a new life so he moved to california started up a business he retired at the age of 33 bro that's the fucking dream yeah he made money and uh, retired at 33 he was married at this point to his husband he was like right we're just gonna chill forever and then he got the call from netflix mm. um and this is where his like famedom started amazing he didn't want any fame but he got it and he but he said that he felt like he faced more struggles in South Yorkshire than he did in America. Really? But obviously 9-11 yeah, happened okay. and Absolutely. it caused a lot of problems for him being Pakistani and having the name that he had, his original name. And it was really interesting because like now he lives in Salt Lake City in Utah, 
which Random. in my brain i was like this must be one of the whitest places on earth and apparently it is but he said that everyone's <laughs> no really shit. friendly and he doesn't really get that much hassle there oh, you point. know and Good. he just seems really feels really at home there mm. and as much as he loves the uk that kind of racism is still there quite prevalent yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um so it was really it was really interesting he was very honest really really funny he could do stand up mm. like he's so funny awesome and you know, i got to meet him yes so i got a message from you yeah. i think the i think the show actually started at 7 30 yeah and i got a message from you at about 6 45 7 o'clock saying for fuck's sake i didn't know that only the first 350 people get a chance to meet him and they have wristbands and everything and i didn't get one and they didn't even tell me about it so i can't meet him for fuck's sake it was yeah. all that and i think it, it was literally a word per message on all the the whatsapp yes. messages you sent me yes so it was a very irate jojo b but i thought you know what like it is what it is at least you get a chance to be at this event see him talk and maybe purchase the book yeah you know but what happened your cousin came along mm-hmm. and she was like, leave it to me. Yes. So was it almost a repeat of Graham Norton last year where you were like, <laughs> no, no, we can't go there. No, no, we can't. They're going to stop us. They're going to arrest us. And I was like, shut the fuck up, Jojo B. Let's go. And then we managed to get right front row seats because I managed to blag it for us while you were like sitting there, like buckling under the pressure. Uh, and I thought if the, if this situation is going to happen again, it's not going to be you managed to, to make it happen. Someone else is going to have to hold your hand and do it for you. I'm a massive scaredy cat. And Sonia was like, let's just do this. And so we did it. And we stood in the queue. We had no wristbands on. And somehow we got given the signed book at the end. I don't know how. We already had the books that we had already been given at the beginning, which were unsigned. Yeah. So we were already standing there with those books. And this woman just gave us these other books. And then Sonia was just started making conversation with the woman who was checking the wristbands and so she didn't check our wristbands and so we went on stage um, unbelievable and i had like literally 10 seconds with tan but you know what? it's a, it's great that you got a chance to at least interact with him and the, the one thing that i said to him was we do a podcast yes jojo v <laughs> and you are going to be talked about this week and he yes, was like i'm jojo so v. honored i'm so honored thank Big you very much up. air horns up in this bitch air horns yes come on my g you smashed it I met Tan France. I did the French talk. If you know, if you watch Queer Eye, then mm. you'll know what I mean. But I did the French talk. Look at this. Everything, and I had humidity hair. So my hair that had been beautiful curls when I left the house was kind of like Monica hair by the end of it. But I didn't care because you met Tan. Yes, I did. And you did it illegally as well. <laughs> yes, yes. Were you like the only Asians amongst the the first lot of people that were there? Do you know what? I think we were. So not only, <laughs> so you pretty much broke the law and you're also an ethnic minority and so this is the reason people voted for brexit Do you know who i really feel sorry for though mm. the two people who were number 349 and 350 oh in the queue days. because they wouldn't have got their books <laughs> i'm really sorry i hope you managed I'm to really sleep sorry. well at night and i really hope this doesn't have any like repercussions yeah can you imagine like the, the people at the end they're like but he's our hero like penguin get in touch with me saying we they're gonna sue me Tan. we no. got the, we were the first people in the queue and look i'm a fangirl and i we had to do what we had to do because i'm a fangirl bruv by any means necessary exactly yeah well <laughs> Sorry, I was just looking, just thinking about the chocolate though. Um, yes, right. by any means necessary, and that's what we did. And I met him, and I'm really happy. It ranks up there now, along with that tweet from Nigella saying that the food that I made was really good. 
Oh, days. You're her. Like I said last year, and on many occasions, Jojo B is a woman of small pleasures. Uh, but anyway, that's the first half of this episode of the Native Immigrants Podcast, the Pride Special. And when we come back on the other side, we're going to get a little bit more serious. And we're going to be talking about the Birmingham school protests and talking to Kaken Qureshi and Peter Cooper. See you on the other side, people. Welcome back to the second half of the Native Immigrants Podcast. I'm Swami Bravakas. And I'm Jojo B. And in this, our Pride special, we take a look and focus on a very prevalent matter that focuses on both the Asian communities and the LGBTQ plus community. Now, this is a situation that's been going on for a number of months now, and it's extremely divisive, various opinions actually going back and forth on this it's been in the news headlines as well recently even of all people boris johnson has even mentioned it just today and his rival jeremy hunt very very topical i think it's got a lot of people talking yes but let's take this thing a little bit further back now there's a big issue currently happening in schools in birmingham and there's a number of protests happening regarding the teaching of LGBT lessons to primary school children. Now, this actually stems all the way back to 2014 with the No Outsiders Project, which was actually created by Andrew Moffitt, who was an assistant head teacher at Parkfield Community School in Birmingham. And he initially created it to teach children about the Equality Act of 2010 and British values. Mm -hmm. And he also wanted pupils to be proud of who they are while also recognizing and celebrating diversity and differences. Mm -hmm. So we started this back at his school in 2014. And then the project itself was soon adopted by schools across the whole of the country. But in January of this year, one of the parents at Parkfield raised a petition claiming that teachers contradicted the Islamic faith. Uh, now, meetings took place between Mr. Moffat himself and loads of concerned parents. But within days, some parents began protesting outside the school at home time. And then several of the pupils were also kept at home. Now, this led to a massive furore. And one of the guys that was leading it, called Amir Ahmed, said that we are a traditional community. We have traditional family values. And morally, we do not accept homosexuality as a valid sexual relationship to have. We do not believe in homosexuality, but that does not make us homophobic. That doesn't quite add up. Yeah. Uh, the thing is, with, okay, with this show is we have to make sure that we stay on a very fine line about people's beliefs. Yes, your cultural, faith is your faith. Cultural and faith beliefs. And so we, what we don't want to do... We can, I feel like we can question cultural beliefs, religious beliefs... Is a little bit harder to do because, you know, it's it's someone's faith. Yeah. Culture can be pushed back on. Culture can be questioned. Yes. Culture, especially now in this day and age, in all of our shows, we try to talk about cultural beliefs and how some of them can be quite passe and 
how we do need to move forward with yeah, um, our ideals and thinking. Outdated and rubbish. But when it comes to people's religion and what's written within their religious texts, it can get messy. To Very just, delicate. Yeah. Yeah. But I think in a situation like this, when we're talking about not believing in homosexuality, but then also not being homophobic, it could almost sound like a little bit of a contradiction in itself. Yeah. Well, the official definition of homophobia is an unreasoning fear of or antipathy towards homosexuals and homosexuality. Hmm. So if you're afraid of or you have a kind of aversion to yeah. homosexuals and homosexuality, then that makes you homophobic. Potentially. It's a very grey area, it is. Uh, to say the least. Now, protests actually spread across other schools in Birmingham, including Anderton Park Primary School in Bolsall Heath. Now, that's that's the school that's been in all the headlines of the last few months because the protest started all the way back in April, I think, and it's still going on today. And it was actually led by property developer Shaquille Afsa, and he got involved after his sister's son brought home a book about a boy who wanted to dress up as a girl. So just to, just to reiterate that point, he doesn't have any children in the school itself. And one of the reports that came out through the BBC actually said that most of the protesters don't actually have children in that particular school They've just rallied around because it seems to be a community issue. Um, now, he said that critics had put parents into the bracket as if we are homophobic. That's far from the truth. All we are concerned is we are having our children come home with material that contradicts our moral values that we are trying to instill in our children. Now, when I hear that, I think about my thoughts about education and how m more needs to be done in terms of teaching children across the nation about diversity and equality and that includes faith and cultures and all the different multiple races that we have within the UK you know an understanding of each other's religions and each other's cultural beliefs so you know we saw that program the Great British School Swap mm -hmm. in how two different schools were very ignorant about each other's cultures and how what more needs to be done in terms of teaching people about each other's cultural beliefs so we have a better understanding of our fellow brit yeah you know and and so schools having as part of their curriculum lessons about islam about hinduism about sikhism about all these different religions i think it needs to be a fundamental part of the curriculum so more and more people know about these things within the uk so there's less of the the ignorance and the intolerance that we have across the uk about other people's religions and beliefs now sexuality for me fits into this same bracket and what they're trying to teach is for primary school age children which is where the um protests are happening what they want to teach is about lgbt families yeah. they want to teach children of a young age that there can be a diverse range of family yeah it's not just your mommy and daddy family yeah exactly and that's that's what they're trying to teach they're not trying to teach them you know about being gay or they're not teaching them anything like that and it's they're also, just teaching them about the diversity of the type of family yeah i don't think there's any kind of what well, from what i know th there doesn't seem to be any kind of sexualization as well of this particular subject matter no so they will only be teaching sexual orientation and things like gender identity in mm. secondary schools. And that starts from September 2020. Right. 
And so that's that's aimed at secondary school children who've obviously got a better understanding yeah. of all of these matters. Yeah. You know, and I think it well, that will all take part in the sex education module that they do at, yeah. in secondary school. But for for primary school children, it will be about the diversity of family. Yes. The type of family that's out there. Yes. Cuz some of these kids will have two mummies or two daddies or you know, one mummy or one daddy. They just want to teach about the fact that there's a whole range now of the type of family that you can get. Yeah. Um, yeah, like I was saying, sexuality also falls under that bracket because people are discriminated against now for being LGBT. And like they always have been. Like they always have been, but in equal, in equal measure, our communities have also been discriminated against. So I just find it quite bewildering that a community that already understands the feeling of being persecuted, the feeling of being discriminated against, would then use those that same thought process against another community going through exactly the same levels of intolerance and exactly the same levels of discrimination to this day in a completely different context, but still just as prejudiced. Yeah, I think that, that's the, the age-old thing of prejudice, isn't it? That That one group will always have prejudice against another group to make themselves... Feel, feel elevated yeah and i think that this they do that this is happening now on a kind of moral level i'm more moral than you mm. and so you stay down there yeah and you know the equality act doesn't really apply to you yeah that's basically how i see this i mean people will disagree and like we said it's it's all kind of centered around the religious beliefs yeah but there were, but but going back to the, the the intolerance, we spoke on our show last year about Asian attitudes towards the LGBTQ plus community back yeah. then. That there was also elements of racism within the LGBTQ plus community towards gay Asians, and yeah. how and how again at the time it was baffling that there would still be a level of intolerance and discrimination within a very discriminated group itself yeah so this does actually work both ways um but in this instance when it comes to educating i think when it, when that is that's where it all stems all the way back to in terms of wanting to educate and you know open people's understanding and their minds up to things happening in the uk from a young age so we're just trying to they're just trying to get children to be less discriminatory to reduce the amount of bullying that happens yes, within schools absolutely and that's all it is if you have a better understanding of what the world is about then you'll be less likely to bully some kid poor kid who then you know there's a massive there's, there's been a massive spike in in children committing suicide yes because of bullying because of this whole rise of online bullying this cyber bullying that we thankfully didn't just completely missed out in our lives yeah you know like well, we, we were, have a we have a child now this is what is this is the kind of things that he will be exposed to exactly and i want and we've had this conversation yeah. that if he comes home one day and says mom dad this is how i feel if he is gay or if there's anything else that he feels you know that he's an outsider of, of we need we want to make him feel like he's not an outsider that actually this is all okay yeah. this is absolutely fine society de deems it as fine as well you will be okay outside in the outside world yes you'll definitely be okay at home because we will love you whoever you are whatever you decide and that's the thing it's not a choice 
I think that's the biggest fundamental issue because I was thinking, you know, I was trying to look at things from the perspective of the people that are protesting. You know, we also belong to uh, faiths and, and cultures and religions mm -hmm. that have a lot of beliefs. Yeah. Um, you know, over the over the course of our times at schools and, you know, just hearing about things happening within our communities, there's always been issues within the educational system about what is taught, what isn't taught, um, whether the beliefs are being, uh, you know, if you're practicing something, whether the schools are understanding about a lot of these things or not. And so, you know, I'm, I'm looking at it from that perspective. And I was just thinking from me being a Hindu, if there was something like, say, uh, they were telling our kids that you had to eat beef. I'm just saying completely hypothetically mm -hmm. and how I would be against that because, you know, eating beef is something that goes against my faith and goes against my religion, you know, and whether that was a similar context to what what is happening right now no, within it's the not. Isla Islamic <laughs> community. Well, yeah. It's not because not eating beef is a choice that you make. Yeah. You know, and that's something that you choose not to do you don't consume beef because you don't want it because you feel like it makes your body impure all of that kind of stuff right mm. but to be gay is not a choice that you make mm. you're born that way exactly and so you will never genetically be <laughs> programmed to not eat beef unless you have an allergy to it <laughs> yeah, right yeah. so but being gay is something that's it's in your genes. It's just who you are. It's part of your makeup. Yeah. There's nothing that you can do about it. And actually, I have a quote from a man that I never thought I would ever quote right. ever in a month of Sundays. It's from Jeremy Hunt. Oh my! I'm like what? What is our show come to when we're quoting Jeremy Hunt on the Native Immigrants podcast? Yes. The man who has tried to single-handedly destroy the NHS and who I fundamentally have. Like stand against in very many ways he said something that actually I thought was very it, it just kind of sums up how I feel basically about this whole thing for me being gay is like being left handed it's something you're born with it's not something you choose it's not something you can change and that's why we need to recognise that every child needs to understand that wow and that's basically, <laughs> I mean, that's basically the counter argument to everything that's going on at the moment. Yeah. You know, like, this is not, this is not a choice. So you can, you know, your moral compass might say that actually homosexuality is wrong. Yeah. But the person who is a homosexual, they have no choice in the matter. Yeah. That person could be gay and they could be Muslim. Yes. And so it could go against their faith and their faith may override their sexual orientation hmm. in terms of they think that their religion is more important to them. Hmm. So you cannot partake in homosexual acts, but that doesn't stop you from being a homosexual. No, exactly. Because you were born that way. Yeah. And and that's the point. So you can disagree with it all you like, but it doesn't mean that they go away because they exist. No, absolutely. And that's who they are. Yes, indeed. Well, to actually talk more about this subject area itself, we actually got on the phone to Petter Cooper, who's a gay rights activist and a radio presenter and also a friend of mine. <laughs> but she also leads the Gaysian Faces photography project uh, on Instagram, where she details Asian LGBTQ plus members in the UK and also a little bit about their life story itself. And I got on the phone to her earlier, and this is how the conversation transpired. Thank you, Swami and Jojo B, for having me on the Native Immigrants. I've been a massive fan of your show since day one, so it is a pleasure 
to be joining you both. No, thank you. The pleasure is all ours. Um, so why don't you let our listeners know a little bit more about yourself and your background? I consider myself a product of the LGBTQ plus education. I was born and raised in San Francisco, the city where Tricone was founded, one of the oldest South Asian LGBTQ plus magazines. Also, San Francisco was ground zero for the HIV and AIDS epidemic. In the mid-90s, there were still harmful myths about HIV and AIDS that needed to be debunked. That's awesome. And how was the school system itself, like in San Francisco, about the teaching of same-sex relationships? The San Francisco Unified School District worked with the San Francisco AIDS Foundation to bring two community speakers to the schools. Normally, a male and female, one living with HIV and one living with AIDS, one straight and one from the LGBT plus community. They would talk, tell us their backstory, and we were able to ask questions. For some of my classmates, this was the first time they met someone living with HIV and AIDS. I would like to think that these types of talks helped my generation eliminate prejudice with those living with HIV and AIDS. Yeah, it'd be great to have more of that in the UK. But what are your thoughts itself about the No Outsiders project that's currently happening here? I believe the No Outsiders program is needed more than ever in schools, especially with the rise of homophobic hate crimes here in the UK. No Outsiders is not out to convert or recruit your children to become a part of the LGBT plus community, but to teach children that some families have a mom and dad, some families have one dad, some families have one mom, and some families have two dads and two moms, and that's okay. And to teach LGBTQ plus history when appropriate. With education, we can combat homophobia. I truly believe those signs and hateful speeches the protesters in Birmingham and other places are giving are probably scaring the children more than any lesson you can find in the Outsider program. Well, that was Petter Cooper, and you can follow the Gaysian Faces project on Instagram and follow her on all her social media platforms. It's a really interesting point that Petter makes at the end there mm. about there's this fear that children will be converted or turned into being gay. Yeah, yeah. Because they're learning about it at school. Yes. And yeah. that's just not the case. Mm. It, as I've said before, it's not a choice. You're born that way. So you can't be turned into the it's the same it's the same reason why conversion therapy doesn't work when people send their children off to these conversion camps <laughs> to try and turn them into being straight. It yes. doesn't work because they don't have the choice. No, exactly. exactly. You know, they're not possessed. They're not it's how some religious people would think of it. They're not possessed by the devil. They are not choosing to do this. There's nothing wrong with these people. Yeah, exactly. You know, exactly. they 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 just are gay. No, exactly, exactly. Um, and I think, you know, a point that we were making um, is that no child is actually born prejudiced. Yeah, exactly. They're taught prejudice. Mm. I Since I got pregnant, I've been really into watching these programs about psychological pro programs about children and how they learn and develop because I really want bubs to kind of grow. And be a bit open-minded about everything. Yeah, and just also just know how to like i want to le teach him how to learn about the world yes so i have been watching all these programs that have been on tv recently yeah and um 
there have been really interesting experiments with young children, babies, and up until kind of like five, six years of age. Yeah. And they kind of show how children's prejudice actually develops yes. and how they learn certain things. And actually, when they're very young, they have no concept of prejudice. They have no concept of this is different to me. Yeah, exactly. You know, like they're all just just kids. And yeah, they're all together. Nothing. They're babies, you know, they have no concept of this. And as they grow up, they are then influenced by their families, hmm. by the people around them, by the things they learn in school, by the things they hear out and about in the media. Yes. All of these things start to influence the way that they think. Yeah. That's why I think this initiative wants to get in while they're young at the age of four or five because they have no concept still of like prejudice things are just different for them yeah and so learning that those differences are not bad things no exactly exactly to, that's to, what jeremy hunt was saying no a hundred percent and i think um you know to get that more into children from a young age you know to be tolerant with everything whether you're in a in a predominantly white community wanting to learn about what's happening with South Asian groups and South Asian faiths and cultures, or you're in a predominantly Asian area wanting to learn about LGBTQ and, you know, what that entails and, and the people in those communities and how it isn't actually wrong. That's just the life. That's just their lifestyle. And we're allowed to coexist and we're allowed to live amongst each other. And there really is no issues amongst either party, either community. And their kids will interact with children who come from different backgrounds yes and those backgrounds can include a family where there are two mummies or two daddies or how whatever combination of that that you can think of yeah you know they have to be able to understand that and that's all they want to teach these children is just yeah. to understand that everyone's background is different including those kids who come potentially from a white LGBT family not being prejudiced against a Muslim kid. Exactly. You know, as we've said, there is, there is racism in all parts of society mm. and we want all these kids to understand and respect each other's backgrounds, whatever yeah. they are. No, exactly. And I think that's, that's the one big thing. We're a, we're a community that's had so many issues with intolerance and we've had to fight against the prejudice that we've encountered over the last 50, 60 years. And yet we're finding ways to discriminate, not only amongst our own communities within each other, but also against communities that are not necessarily the same as us when it comes to same sex and LGBT. I think there's an inherent, inherent problem there. Um, Offset uh, has actually backed the No Outsiders program with its chief inspector Amanda Spielman saying all children must learn about same-sex couples regardless of their religious background. She said it was crucial children were exposed to differences in society and important children knew there are families that have two mummies or two daddies. An Ofsted report also found that there was no evidence the curriculum at Parkfield overly focused on LGBT issues or was not taught in an age-appropriate manner. Now, this is the one big thing, and we were actually lucky enough to speak to Kakan Qureshi, uh, who we spoke about at length in our show last season about Asian attitudes towards the LGBTQ plus community. He's a gay rights activist for a number of years and is also the founder of Birmingham South Asians LGBT. And he was kind enough to provide us with this quote regarding the recent controversy in Birmingham itself regarding same-sex lessons in the educational system. 
When educating children about equality and diversity, we can't be eliminating one group of people who are protected by the Equality Act. Likewise, we can't allow another group, also protected by the Equality Act, to continue to demand and dominate the narrative. I'd appreciate it if the policymakers are more definite about what LGBT inclusive lessons mean and provide rather than allow it to be a grey area. They seem to be deliberately stoking the animosity and division rather than endorse unity and community cohesion. Fully agree with what he said here. And I think that is a very important matter regarding exactly what is being taught at curriculum level at primary schools regarding this particular subject area. Yeah, there needs to be a lot more clarity. It's a bit vague at the moment. Well, there's been things, there's been loads of meetings between parents, concerned parents and teachers and staff at these schools. Uh, those meetings haven't really gone anywhere. And in actual fact, a lot of the teachers have, have been sent some extremely threatening messages and notes. And that basically only takes the situation and the conversation 20, 30, 40, 50 steps backwards. There needs to be a much wider conversation uh, between concerned parties and exactly what is being taught, what they're actually talking about in these schools, what specifically the lessons entail when it comes to same-sex relationships and families. Because there's a lot of grey area, as Kakan said, about what exactly is being taught. But, you know, my feeling is I don't think lessons about same-sex relationships is something that the, the community, specifically the Islamic community, would be happy about regardless of what age this was being taught at, whether this was primary school all the way up until secondary school. Because there's been a lot of people talking about the fact that this is being taught at children at, at too young an age, and at that age, it shouldn't really be exposed to that kind of a subject area. But if this was happening in in secondary schools, I think you'd, we'd probably have the same level of protest. I think we'd have the same level of disagreement. We'd have the same level of issues and problems. And I think there's been a case in the papers recently where you see the consequences of not teaching this kind of thing in school. Hmm. Um. So there was the case of the lesbian couple on oh, the yeah. bus Very in London recently. yeah, who got beaten up. Yes. And it turned out, actually, the gang that beat them up, the, the group of boys that beat them up, was aged between 15 and 18. Mm, yeah. Now, this obviously is like this. There's different levels to this story. There's, you know, the, the problem of porn amongst teenagers. There's the problem of misogyny amongst young men. Yes. But also there's this problem of not understanding the LGBTQ plus community and yes. not and having a prejudice that has been taught to them hmm. by society, by their families, whoever it is. Yes. And it hasn't been counted in school. The only other place that they would learn that this is fine and that you should leave people alone and you should kind of just let everyone be is in school if they're not hearing that at home already yeah and so if we can get in there when they're young yeah now however young can be debated but whilst they're still young and impressionable to kind of understand that everybody has a right to live yes and you need to just leave people alone yeah you know and respect them for whoever they are in the same way that, you know, someone... You'd want to be respected yeah, exactly. for whatever re faith, religion, orientation that you Race, have. whatever it is, you want that respect. You have to give that respect as well. Yeah. And, and I think that's the point that we were saying earlier on about how kids don't have... They're not born with prejudice. Yes. But they do start to learn prejudice from quite a young age. 
you know like yeah. once from the things that they pick up at home or from out being out and about or yeah. what they hear on the radio or see on tv and all that kind of stuff yeah. so you, you have to get in there young to be able to kind of cement that idea hmm. that everyone's differences are okay yeah and you will respect those differences because you will you will probably turn out to be different to somebody else on the street and you yeah. want them to respect you in the same way that you should respect them no 100% um and it like i said it does it, it's a show about this half of the show has been specifically about education and i think that is that's the bigger thing with all our communities and it's the wider discussion and the much more open conversation that we need to have we're talking about cultural differences and cultural beliefs and whether some things are religious beliefs and some things are cultural beliefs and uh, and with a subject area such as this it does need to be opened up to a much wider conversation whether it's between the school system and our respective communities uh, so we have a better understanding of exactly what is being taught in schools then I think that's that can only be a step in the right direction. And within our own communities as well, we do need to speak about these things. We do need to talk about these things. We spoke at length on our show about Asian attitudes towards the LGBTQ plus community that our communities need to have a better understanding of that community. So there is a coexistence of harmony and we should respect each other's beliefs, respect each other's cultures, respect each other's lifestyles. And also so that we can understand our own children or our brothers and our sisters or, you know, our mothers and our fathers who might come out later on in life. Yeah, you know, exactly. Whoever it is, that you understand that there are people from the LGBT community that live within the Asian community. Yes. You can be both. Exactly. And lots of people are. Well, yeah, we spoke, well, Tan France in the first half of the show is a British Muslim gay man. Yeah, and all those other celebs that have come out recently that we've already spoken about, they are Asian, South Asian, and also part of the LGBTQ plus community. Yeah. And so there has to be that understanding. Mm. And personally for me, like, if we can teach kids to stay open-minded and to understand the differences that there are out in the in society and in the world then we've got we've got some hope of having a happier future for our children and that's the main thing that motivates me now is hoping that life will be okay for bubs yeah exactly however yeah. he turns out yeah in whoever he grows up to be exactly i think that's a that's our parenting hat on and i think that's where we'll end this show more discussion, more open discussion, a better education towards a better future. Let us know what you think. You might completely disagree with us. Yeah, let us know what you think about some of the things that have been spoken about today. You could completely disagree with everything that we've said. And if you do, great, because we want to open up that discussion with you. We want to open up that conversation. If you do have a problem with uh, these particular lessons being taught in schools, why what is it specifically within that context that you have a problem with and if so let's let's talk let's discuss because with a bigger discussion more conversation we can have a better chance of progression especially amongst our communities right well that is the end of the native immigrants podcast i will catch you all again in about a month's time i'm going home i'm going back to newcastle Yes. So, see you later, suckers. <laughs> yes. So, we will be on a little bit of a hiatus for a few weeks, but we'll probably be back in a month's time where we'll be covering more hot topics of agenda. Doesn't make sense.
I'm gonna go and eat cake. See you again then, people. See ya. Peace.